Welcome to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast. And we're so happy that you're here today to learn all about how to create fresh perspectives on profitability, people, productivity, and finding peace in your small business. And today we're going to dive into profitability and provide you with a very different, perhaps we would say a fresh perspective from what you'd expect to hear. So hello, business rock stars. My name is Maggie Mongan, and I am your host today. I'm a tenured master business coach and growth strategist for about 20 years now. I am the CEO of Brilliant Breakthroughs, Inc., the coaching practice specializing in guiding small businesses and optimizing business performance and leadership. I'm all about improving the underserved small business sector. And if you're a regular listener, you know that. I honestly believe small businesses are the accelerant of our economy, so much so that inadvertently, I ended up founding a number one best-selling business book series for small businesses. But don't worry, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Most importantly, and this is a big one, like all good things that come together, I didn't do it alone. I invited tenured experts to join me in the authoring process. And today we have with us one of our tenured experts, number one international best-selling business author, Julie Craig. Welcome, Julie. Hello. It's great to be here with you today, Maggie. Yes. And everyone, it's important for you to know who Julie is because she is a CPA in public accounting who customizes services for small business owners, not-for-profit, and governmental entities to help them grow and succeed. Julie, what does governmental entities mean? So for us, governmental entities are towns and villages that we work with. Um, The government sector can get quite big all the way up to cities and obviously the federal government. But for us, we work within the towns, villages, and sewer districts. Beautiful. That's good to know, because I don't want everybody scratching their head and missing what we're going to talk about. (laughs) And I I love it because when you think of those three, it's like the triad and fiber, right? I mean, at the end of the day, um, you obviously know small businesses are a big backbone of our country, supplying a lot of jobs and making our industry and our economy go. Um, But mixed in there, obviously, we want our social services, right? We want to make a difference in our communities and help those who are in need. Um, And then obviously, we want our garbage picked up and our toilets to flush and all that fun stuff, which is that government (laughs) sector that I work with. Okay, that's so cool. (laughs) So you make all of what we need to make happen happen. That's cool. (laughs) Okay, so, so this is really neat. Julian, I want to welcome you back because you're a returning author in our series. Matter of fact, this is part two in your mini series here in our podcast. And we have a lot of ground to cover today, don't we? Yeah, fun ground though. It is. It is. And everyone, just so you know, um, this is part two in Julie's mini series. Part one is our episode 209 in our podcast. So feel free to go back and watch it because actually Julie's building a story here for you. So after you're done listening to this one, go listen to 209. And, and Julie, you were kind enough to help the small business sector by penning a chapter in volume five in our book series. And just to clarify, our book series, all five books 
have the exact same name, which is Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And the subtitle is Fresh Perspectives on Profitability, People, Productivity, and Finding Peace in Your Small Business. Now, how do you know which volume is volume five? It's the one with the beautiful turquoise cover on it. And you like turquoise, don't you, Julie? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is beautiful. So, so now you, everyone knows that you penned chapter two in volume five and chapter two is titled numbers plus five essential keys equals profitability. I love that a math equation. Of course, you're a CPA. <laughs> okay, so when you decided to write your chapter, what was the main goal for you, Julie? Yeah, so my main goal in chapter two was to discuss profitability and, and obviously not from this typical perspective, right? I'm a licensed CPA, I'm in public accounting. Um, and of course, I love to talk at numbers. I love to analyze financial statements. But after working in public accounting for 30 years, there were these commonalities that started to appear between clients that were very profitable to those that struggled getting to the profit numbers in line with their goals. Um, so the bottom line is there, there is really more than numbers that actually goes into being profitable as a small business owner. Okay, so there's more than numbers, and that's why your chapter is so powerful. You did the fresh perspective versus what all the other CPAs would write about, right? <laughs> In your chapter, you discuss how a small business that is... Um, Meeting its profitability goals has passion as its first essential key. Why is this so important for us to know? Well, passion, let's just go back to the basics. You know, what does Webster say about passion? What's the definition in the Webster's Dictionary? Oh, I don't know, but you're going to tell us. I know, I know. I figured just start from the basics, right? <laughs> um, it's a strong feeling or emotion or an object of someone's love, liking, or desire. So as someone who's worked in the business world for many years, you know, please do not get me wrong by any measure of the imagination. I'm not advocating that you run your company based on your feelings and only on your feelings in order to be successful. Not Good. Good. Uh, no, no, no. And I think we all know sometimes if we, we let our feelings rule us too much, right, um, we could end up all kinds of tangents, right? <laughs> True. But True. what I can say, however, is that the degree to which you have a strong love and a liking and a desire for what you do can have an effect on the success of the profitability of your company. Um, and I've seen that play out in action. Um, is when an owner has this strong sense of love and liking and desire for what the business is, they go the extra mile. And I see it happen all the time. This can be in the way they take the extra time to get to know the industry they're competing in versus just that bare minimum. What do I need to, to know at a minimum? Uh, can I also play, it can also play itself out um, in how they handle the elements of the business. Um, when this passion exists, I've seen business owners who know every aspect of their business, even though they may not perform those aspects as the company grows and becomes more than a solopreneur, as I like to call it. Okay. Um, I have a client, um, for example, that works in the waste disposal industry. And one of the biggest expenses in that industry can be the labor and the trucks they utilize to transport all that waste. 
Um, and the passion and drive of those owners that they have um, really takes them an extra mile and sets them apart. Um, they can actually take, believe it or not, a garbage truck and take it apart and put it back together again. And not too many people could say that, right? Or say <laughs> that they'd even care to want to do that, right? I mean, I can tell that's not me. I wouldn't want to do that. But for them, they can do that and they they love it. They think that's just exciting to be able to do that. Um, but what that does for them is obviously um, they're able to know when they're trying to negotiate, right? A deal, right? For vehicles or get new vehicles. They have that inside knowledge about it. Or let's say something happens within the business and they lose a key player. They kind of know the intricacies that they can step in and handle the difficult situations that might be surrounding some of the things that can happen with the trucks in order to keep them on the roads and keep them moving um, so that the waste is moving and they're making the funds that they want to make. I love this example because this demonstrates passion. Not to most of us, but to some of us it does and how we need everyone to show up. So thanks for mentioning that. Wow. Okay, so you have, over the years you've been doing this, you have looked at a lot of businesses, haven't you? Yes, lots, lots of businesses. <laughs> <laughs> of all sorts, I imagine, and sizes. And in all of your years in public accounting, Julie, have you ever seen passion play out in a negative way for a business owner? Great question, Maggie. Um, the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> sometimes a person can start their own business because they have this huge passion for something. Um, let's just use sewing as an area, for example, purposes for this discussion. Okay. So, so they may love to design and sew clothing. That might be something that's just really near and dear to their heart, that they love it, they like it. Um, they have a high passion that possesses and allows them um, to invest that extra time, right? To get to know more about creating clothes, coming up with new and creative ideas, utilizing machines to make the clothes. And they may even be so passionate that those around them who see them in their new clothes that they've made love the outfits. They see that excitement in them. They want to buy the items that they're making and producing, and they're able to sell some of them to people. Um, but being able to create clothes for themselves and those who they come into contact with may not produce enough revenue for them to cover um, and receive the profits that they're seeking, right? Um, okay. Because it may not cover the time that they've invested, right? It might not cover all the costs that are involved for the fabric and the machines, right? And this can create a challenging situation that they may create a problem even with the IRS that should not have, that should it not have profit in three or five years, subjecting them to what they call the hobby loss rules, which we can discuss a little bit later. Um, but aside from those hobby loss rules, the challenge for those startup type entities is that they can be thought of as a solopreneur. Okay. That is, and in order to scale the business, right, and become more profitable, that passion that they have would need to start to branch into other areas that are needed, um, not just the designing and creating of clothes. And we'll use an example, right, for this example we just gave. Perhaps they're paying really high prices for their fabric and spending time learning about those fabric markets and where they are in the world and how it's sold and how they could obtain better prices and create more profits 
oftentimes is not the first thing somebody thinks of as a new business owner and they sign up, right? They don't think, oh my God, I have this great love to learn all about fabric and how I can get the better price on fabric, right? They want to just get in there and design those clothes. Um, And unfortunately, right, if the passion is not wide and broad enough, it may prevent them from enhancing the other aspects of the business that will allow them to scale and become more profitable. And there are cases when some businesses can stay at that solopreneur level and be quite happy, right? Right, right. But if the ultimate goal is a larger profitability number or more profitability, it may not be possible as a sole solopreneur to reach that level of certain types of businesses are seeking. Um, and let's use an example earlier, like that waste disposal business I was giving you, um, which is a, a legitimate entity that I've worked with. But in that industry alone, the waste disposal contracts, they often require a number of employees, a number of trucks, Right. So if I was like, well, I I love getting rid of waste. I love taking a part of of a truck. We'll use that as an example. Um, If I'm trying to go out and get customers, oftentimes the customers are out there. They're going to need more than one truck, right? They're going to need more than one employee. And they're going to need a system for that to all happen. So it wouldn't allow me to just sit in my sweet spot of passion of wanting to work on trucks or pick up the waste and make one or two customers happy. I would need to think about a larger scale. Okay, now that makes a lot of sense. And Julie, I know you see this all the time where everything starts out with this really simple concept and it's, it's usually our passion, right? And then all of a sudden we have all these other things like negotiations and contracts and, and oh my gosh, I, we could go on and on and on. The, the list grows and that's the difference between keeping the sweet spot and building a business, right? Right, absolutely. Okay. And what I'm sure you find out, like I find out for a different reason, is that a lot of entrepreneurs like doing what they like doing instead of what they need to be doing. Right. 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 And, that, and that's where the issue comes in. So I love this because earlier you mentioned the hobby loss rules. And I'm surprised that this isn't um, more common in conversations with business owners and entrepreneurs, because this is a really important rule. Could you share a little bit more with our listeners about this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, interestingly enough, um, most people may not realize, but the Hobby Loss Rules were put into place by a Revenue Act in 1943, right? So a long time ago. I didn't know it was that old. (laughs) I know. You'd think, what? Because a lot of people are like, what? I never even heard of it. But Believe it or not, 1943. Now, obviously, they're they're not new, like I said, but they have morphed and changed over time. So, as as all things do, right? Um, so, what small business owners listening to this really need to know is that um, with a new business, they they have a chance, obviously, of losing money, right? The answer is typically yes, because oftentimes, you know, you're starting up that business. It can require an investment. It may not immediately turn a profit. And I think those of you who either know know in small business owners or tried yourselves know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, But the guidelines the IRS uses is, um, has the businesses, one of that main guidelines is, has that business turned a profit in the last three to five consecutive years, right? And a lot of times people hear that and they're like, whoa, no, you know, I haven't, right? And that can be a very scary thing, right? 
Um, and if you, you meet that guideline, obviously great, right? Life's much simpler because that's a really uh, important part. Um, but if you haven't met that IRS um, they rule, they may sometimes flag you within their computer systems for an audit. And I've had clients that have been flagged in these situations like this. And the great news I can tell you is that um, clients that I've had that have been flagged and have gone through these audit situations, um, there is more that they consider that goes into it. So just because they didn't do the three to five doesn't mean they automatically say, hey, you're not a legitimate business, right? Um, But it can create a situation that may cause you to be audited and looked at. Um, So you need to consider what are those other aspects in analyzing the situation to the IRS code. Um, And if you don't meet those guidelines, the one thing that they can do is disallow any expenses that you've deducted or any losses that you've used to offset against other income, which could create a situation where suddenly you'd have to pay a bunch of tax back to the government. Nobody likes to do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So it may not be that they close your doors, but there's other ramifications that come with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. So now, I'd love to put you on the spot for a moment since we're talking about IRS rules (laughs) (laughs) and, and everybody just keep in mind, um, Julie's sharing some wisdom. We got to do a disclaimer here, right? (laughs) Talk with your own CPA about everything you're hearing here. Um, Julie, is there another guideline or two that might help us right now? Yeah. Um, so a few others, um, is the activity that's being carried out, um, is it being carried out in a business-like manner, right? Um, and for an example of that, um, the IRS even gives in their stuff, um, are you keeping accurate books and records? That's actually an example the IRS gives. So hence, you know, why I always, whenever I'm meeting with someone who's a new client or starting a business, I always say, you know, open up a separate checking account in the business's name. Right. You know, track all those income and expenses separately. Um, be sure to keep copies, you know, of all your receipts and make notes because, you know, let's say you're audited five years from now, you may not remember what that one receipt you got five years ago was for. So it's great to have notes on things and, and make sure you can follow that trail. They also look to see, is the business being performed as a livelihood for the person, right? Um, is the person, you know, and that, again, it doesn't mean that let's say somebody has a full-time job and they're trying to start a business, they're going to immediately disallow you. Again, they're going to look at all these components, right? But one of those components is, is it the livelihood of the person, right? Or are they trying to make it their livelihood? Um, I had a new client that we worked with where he was a school teacher and he was working to um, make more money for his family. He had five children. And so he was working to have his own small business and he branched off um, and it took him a little bit, right? And it eventually did become his livelihood. So it may not right away, but obviously, you know, we're talking about a five-year window. Hopefully there's a plan and down the road it will be, (laughs) right? Okay, that makes Um, sense. Yeah, so they will consider, they also will consider if the losses incurred were due to a set of circumstances beyond the business owner's control. So great example in this call today, um, what businesses went through these past couple of years with COVID, right? I don't think anybody signed up anticipating that to happen to a business owner. And there it was, right? Um, Right. Yeah. And they like to weigh if the owner has done anything to try to improve the profitability or has experience to help them in running the business they're, they're analyzing and looking at if it's audited, for example. 
Um, so, you know, are they involved in different associations, right? That can help them learn how to run a business better, right? Because like we talked before, it's not just knowing how to sew. It's also knowing how do I um, improve my marketing pieces of the business? How do I track the numbers of the business and the other elements that go into running a business? Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing some of these guidelines, it hopefully helps to put a little light. Why just having a passion to sew, making clothes may not be just enough, right? Okay. Um, we'll definitely look to see if there are other elements necessary for the business um, are being addressed. Okay. Like continuous improvement in, regarding education. Are you learning exactly. all those different elements? Are you learning how to hone in your craft even? Yes. Right. Yep. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot to consider. Oh, let's see. What would the next question be after all of that? Everybody's head's probably swirling right now. Oh, three to five years. Oh, okay. Um, what advice do you have for someone who's interested in starting a small business? But again, the advice is related to our topic today, passion. Yes. Yeah. I love that question is it's, you know, great to see people that really want to venture and start their own business. Mm-hmm. My answer is really quite simple. You know, whatever you feel that inner calling and passion, that strong feeling of love, liking and desiring about, ask yourself this question, would I do this if I didn't get any income to do it? Ah, yeah. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, would you do it without a paycheck of some kind? Um, and that's a really, you know, if I meet somebody, that's a really great place to start from, right. When they can say yes to that, because reason being, as I tell most small businesses starting out, having your own business is much like having a child, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and getting a break from it, especially when you're starting out is much like a newborn baby, not a lot of room for breaks. <laughs> oh, there's not a lot of room for breaks for years until they go to school. <laughs> And especially when you think of their tiny infants, right? When they're infants, it's pretty much full on attention required to the deal in order to get things in line where they need to be. And we just talked about a number of those things today, right? Getting open your checking account, get your books in record, get some education, right? And that's not what everybody immediately signs up for when they start a business, but requires time, energy, and attention. And once, you know, it's up and running, this is the thing. It never really leaves your life, just like a child never leaves your life. It's always there in one form or another. You know, it may change, it may shift, it may grow, which will then require you to change, shift and grow to adapt and leading it to the potential you see as a vision for that business. Spot on, spot on, Julie. I did a a blog series. I think it was a five or seven part blog series about how your business is a baby. And it's totally dependent upon you. And I, I went ahead and created allog- analogies from cleaning dirty diapers <laughs> and all that mess to feeding and, and everything. So I love that you bring that analogy forward because to me, it's a very practical one. And we, we always forget about all that other stuff. Yeah. And if we yeah. don't tend to it, we end up with a very cranky baby that's messy. <laughs> <laughs> it, yes, and expensive. You're absolutely right. I love all of this. Um, 
And I, I know that we have a topic or two in here already for future podcasts. Is there anything else you'd like to say right now, Julie, to wrap up this part two in your mini series? Well, thank you again for having me today. And I just love being a small business owner. Although it may not be for everyone, it's still a wonderful opportunity for those that feel called. So keep exploring, learning, and becoming all you can as a small business owner and look forward to discussing you with you um, the other four essential keys in my upcoming podcast. Oh, we're going to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> we will. And listeners, this is how you can learn more and engage with number one international best-selling business author. Wow, that's a long title. CPA is, is much shorter. <laughs> Julie Craig, start by reading chapter two in volume five of the book series, Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. Now, remember, volume five, Julie's book is the one with the turquoise cover. And at the end of Julie's chapter, and she has a really cool glossary towards the end there, uh, she has an author page. And at the bottom of the author page, she has a special invitation that I believe you would like to take advantage of. Julie, can you share what that is? Yeah. So we are going to be doing a Facebook profitability challenge. Um, and what's great about that is it's going to be a live uh, event where we're going to do um, an hour each day. Um, and then after the hour, there'll be a half hour for Q&A. So we can dig just a little bit deeper into these five keys, essential keys, as well as um, just being able to have that one-on-one Q&A session to be able to answer questions that people may be having. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. And um, we will have the link for that in the show notes. Okay. Um, And there's something else that's really cool, listeners. If you're regular, you know about this. You can download our free app, which is dedicated to all of the authors as well as all of the books in our series. And it's Brilliant Biz Book. Again, Brilliant B-I-Z Book. The reason why you might want to do that is because, oh, there's a good amount of information there, like our podcast, we have a community page, and we also have a feature that's called Ask an Expert, where you can see Julie Craig's name. And if you click on it and type a question, she'll reply back to you. You have free access to an expert. Pretty cool opportunity, isn't it, Julie? Yes, absolutely. So who knows? Maybe somebody will be reaching out since we're recording this during tax season. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, feel free. Yes. And also, listeners, feel free to go back and listen to Julie's other episode, 209. This one is 226, and we'll stay tuned for what the next one will be. But we want to thank you today for your time and your wisdom sharing, Julie. Thank you so much, Maggie. I love being here today, and I wish you and all the listeners all the best. Oh, thank you, Julie. And listeners, we appreciate you listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast, where you learn about how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business. Shine brightly until next week.